Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Kovacs, and this is Answering Questions with Chris Kovacs. This is a show that I'm creating so that I can have an outlet for my thoughts. I love talking. I love sharing my opinion. And I figured what better way to do it than create a podcast where I do just that. So what this show is, is effectively a show that's going to be about 20 minutes an episode. I'm going to post it daily, and it's going to be where I just sit here and I answer questions. In the beginning, those questions will be pulled from different websites, mainly Reddit. Um, I will say that I never look at the actual answers given to these questions. I only look at the questions themselves. I do this so that my answers will be completely my own and genuine. Uh, I hope to get to a point in the near future where I have a website up and running for this show and so that listeners can actually submit their own questions for me to answer. So I'm hoping that you will uh, sit back and listen and enjoy the show. So the first question is, what has happened in your life that completely changed the path you were taking? And this one, I have a really good one for this one because I, I, I actually know the exact moment where my life changed. So I was 20, I would have been 21, and essentially what happened was I, I had moved to Los Angeles. I was living in Los Angeles, and I was, I was taking acting courses. I was doing boxing and jiu-jitsu, and I was just doing all these different pursuits, and I was failing at them pretty miserably. And I just, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my identity was. What, what was I meant to do? What was I put on this earth to do? And, you know, I was taking classes at the local community college. And I had really, really wanted to be in this honors oceanography course. And so I signed up for it. Now, my goal initially was just to get my associates and be done with school. Had no intentions of going beyond an associate's degree. And I took this honors oceanography course. And after the first class, I stayed and I... I wasn't in the honors program or anything, right? But I stayed and talked to the professor because he just seemed like such a great guy and I just wanted to introduce myself. And we proceeded to talk for an entire hour where he asked me about myself and he asked me what I wanted to accomplish. I, I didn't really know. And he asked, well, why aren't you in the honors program? And I said, well, I, I never thought about joining. And he goes, well, you need to join. You need to be in the honors program. It will you know, put you on a, a better path in life. So he said, well, you need to be in two courses this semester. So we got to find you a second course to take. And he pulled out the, he said, this is like all after class. What professor does this? I mean, he's such a great guy. So he pulls out the uh, catalog. We look through the classes and I see one um, called honors debate, argument and debate. I said, well, I, you know, I'd like to take that. You know, that looks interesting, but the class was full. And he said, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'm going to reach out to the professor. You also reach out to the professor and we're going to get you in that class. And lo and behold, he got me in the class. So I show up the first day, and it's all these kids who you can just tell are excellent students. They're unbelievable students, right? They're all top of the class. You know, they're going to go to the best schools. Now I'm a little, you know, I'm a little nervous. I'm in this class. I'm thinking, am I meant to be here? And long story short, right, we get to the first debate in front of the class, and my partner didn't show up. So it was just me versus these other two students. And I remember I got up there in front of the whole class. It must have been 50 people. And I've never felt more comfortable, more in a zone in my entire life. I, I, I knew immediately while I was up there in front of this class debating that whatever I was doing right there in that moment, that was what I needed to do for the rest of my life. And I remember I finished. The debate teacher was very kind. He really you know, he told me you know, how great I did. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever been told I was great at something. And I remember I walked out of that class that day, and I knew my life was changed. I knew what I wanted to do. I needed to do something, whether it be politics or whatnot, where I'm using my rhetoric, because I could feel in that moment the power that my rhetoric had on this large group of people. 
And I actually just not to, you know, I'm a humble person, but I actually was a unanimous vote. Like all 50 people voted for me to win the debate. So it was just that moment where I said, I, I have a skill. I have a talent that's given to me. I need to recognize that. And I need to run with it. And all of a sudden I started caring about school. School became my number one passion. And it took me to university. I'm about to graduate. And I'm very fortunate that that has occurred. And so that one moment, right, in that debate course that I wouldn't have taken if I hadn't stayed after class in that oceanography course and talked with the professor who went out of his way to get me in that class. I mean, it's, it's weird how life works, right? Imagine if I was in that oceanography course that first day and I just left class. I didn't stay to introduce myself to the professor. I would not be where I am today. And that's it's a weird thing to think about. But that is that one thing that has happened in my life that has really changed my entire path. And, and I know that for a fact. I'm very fortunate for those circumstances and, and what happened. All right, let's move on to the second question. All right, so this one is, who is one celebrity that you wouldn't want to meet? Now, this is an easy question, actually, because I would not want to meet any of the celebrities that I idolize, right? Because the old saying goes, you never want to meet your heroes, right? Because, and I don't have that many, you know, people I idolize, but the ones that I do, I don't want to meet them. Because what if I meet them and they're total jerk-offs? All of a sudden... They're ruined. Like in my mind, I'm like, wow, this person's not who I thought they were. So quite frankly, this is an easy question. I would not want to meet any of the celebrities I idolize, right? You know, honestly, I'd rather just meet the celebrities who already have a bad name because then that way I wouldn't really care about the fan interaction. And But can I tell you another thing too is what if I meet one of the, the celebrities that I idolize and it's awkward, right? What if it's a horrible moment? Like they're nice and everything, but it's just awkward because I've actually had this happen so I was living in Los Angeles and if anybody knows Wee Man Wee Man was one of the stars of Jackass he had a taco shop I believe it was in Hermosa Beach and so I go in there one day I'm 19 years old I'm sitting there at this taco shop I'm eating and I look over and I go oh my god it's Wee Man and if I don't care who you are any kid between 20 and 30 any at least you know uh, male between 20 and 30 they watch Jackass they know who Wee Man is I saw Wee Man and I was like oh this is the first celebrity I've ever seen in my life. So I do what anybody does. I walk up and I say, Mr. Wee Man, can I please have a picture? And he says, yeah, no problem. He's super nice, super nice guy. And so this, this is why it was awkward. I'm six foot three. I don't know how he t- tall he is, but he's very short. You know, he's, he's a little person. And so we go to take the picture. And I don't know what to do with my hand, right? Because usually when you take a photo with someone else, your hand goes over. But in this instance, it was very awkward because I didn't know what to do with my hand. And I essentially put my hand around his back, like as if he was, I hate saying a little, like a young person, a younger person. And it was so awkward. I could feel like he was kind of aggravated by it. I felt awkward. It was the most awkward photo you've ever seen. It was horrible. And so, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be any celebrities at all. Um, yeah, the, the, I think most people feel the same way. But yeah, let's, let's move on to the next one though. So This question says, you wake up tomorrow and it's January 1st, 2020. What is the first thing that you do? All right, this one's simple. Knowing what I know now, I would invest in all of the stocks that were penny stocks but have shot up because of the pandemic. You know, it's kind of the... uh, 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 the Biff technique from uh, Back to the Future, right? He knows all... He knows every sporting event for the next 50 years. Well, I know every, you know... Financial event of the next, or, you know, the past six months. I know which stocks are going to go up, which stocks are going to go down. So I, you know, honestly, I would be doing some investing pretty heavily if it was January first, twenty twenty. 
Um, and I would probably try to do some altruistic things, right? The first, well, now I feel like an asshole, right? Because I just said the first thing I'm going to do is prioritize making money. I guess it was January 1st, 2020. I mean, I guess you would try to warn people. I mean, can you do that? Is there a butterfly effect? I would try to warn people. Like, hey, you know, this virus going on in China right now, so it's a little more serious than we thought. Maybe we should get ahead of the eight ball here. I don't know, but what would happen if I did that? I mean, could you know, you, if anybody's seen the butterfly effect with Ashton Kutcher, yeah, that could have some devastating consequences. I don't know. I think that's what I would do, though. I would make, I would, I would start to warn people, which would then make my point about investing redundant, I guess. But at least I'm saving people's lives. Okay, next question: What is history's most underrated invention? You know, this is an interesting one because. Like I, I think when you think of this question, it's hard to pinpoint one invention that you think is the most important invention. Um, the only way I can answer this question is thinking back to a BBC show that I was listening to one time. And this question got asked. If humanity got destroyed, right, we had to start over, what is one invention that you would want? And the guy said, that is the easiest question ever to answer. And the guy goes, really? And he says, yeah, a plow. The guy goes, a plow? He goes, yeah, a plow. That's all you need. Because if we're restarting civilization, then we're going to need a plow. Because having a plow allows you to farm. And being able to farm allows you to settle down. Being able to settle down allows you to create civilization. Having civilization allows you to thus then create the technology and everything that will then further your uh, society into getting back to where we were at. I was like, wow, oh my God. So that's an easy question. I'd want the plow. Um... All right, we're going to move on to the next one. This is one where I have to be altruistic. Uh, if a genie popped out of a lamp and gave you three wishes, but you couldn't wish for more wishes, what would you wish for? All right, so the first one I think is pretty simple. A cure for cancer. All right, if, you get, if a genie gives you three wishes and you don't wish for a cure for cancer, you're going to hell, all right? <laughs> I mean, come on. you got to wish for a cure for cancer. That's absolutely devastating. And just having the ability to eradicate it from the world the varieties of different cancers. I mean, ugh, the good that you would be doing just with that one wish. And then going in the complete opposite direction and not being altruistic, I would ask for a trillion dollars because having a trillion dollars effectively gives you enough money to do whatever you want for the rest of your life and the rest of your children's lives and the rest of your children's children's lives. I mean, a trillion dollars, God dang, just imagine the interest that you would make on a trillion dollars. I don't even know how you would invest a trillion dollars. How many banks would you have to have that in? Okay, so that would be the second wish. The third wish is pretty simple, right? Because what if I asked for a cure for cancer and a trillion dollars, and then I die tomorrow, right? It's kind of like that one uh, Alanis Morissette song where, you know, he was afraid to fly, but he kissed his kids goodbye and boarded the plane, and then as the plane crashed down, he thought, isn't this ironic? Oh, no, it's not that one. It would be the one where she goes, 98, bought a lottery ticket, won and died the next day. I guess they both work. But yeah, you know, so if I had a genie giving me this incredible opportunity and I had a trillion dollars, I would want to ensure that I live a long life so I can enjoy that trillion dollars. So I think uh, my third wish, because you can't wish for more wishes, would be quite simply a clean bill of health until I am 100 years old. Once I hit 100, just you can take me then, but just a clean bill of health guaranteed till I hit 100. That way I can enjoy my trillion dollars, have some fun with it. Okay, so 
I've made myself a wealthy man. I've done the world some good. Let's move on to the last question. Now, this was one that I think is really important. It's something that I constantly have to remind myself of. And this question is, what are some strategies on not taking criticism personally? I think first and foremost, you have to change your mindset around receiving criticism, right? Because some people receive criticism and they view it immediately as an attack, an attack on their ego. And I think that's problematic because by and large, you know, criticism should be viewed as something that can be constructive for you. Right? Look, some criticism's going to be faulty. It's not going to be valuable. But there's going to be some criticism that's important for you to actually hear and take into consideration. Um, and so I think immediately, one strategy you can do is just immediately not view criticism as an attack, but view it as something of benefit. Right now, there's a fighter in the UFC named Max Holloway. He actually just lost this past week, and a lot of people think he should have won um, when he's rematching for the title. But he has something he says where he says, "I have a white belt mentality." Right? He, he's one of the best fighters in the world. Right? He's incredible in multiple martial arts. But he says, "I have a white belt mentality," and what that means is, if anybody walks up to me and they give me some advice, right, on fighting. I immediately assume that they have something of worth to offer me in terms of martial arts. I don't care if that person doesn't know what they're talking about. I meet, I listen to them and I hear what they're saying because, hey, what they might, what they're saying might actually help me. And and he said that is why I'm constantly getting better, is because I don't. Because you know what happens is a lot of times what people do is they get to a certain level, skill level, and thus they develop an ego. That ego then shuts down any criticism, right? Because they say, well, what do you know? I'm better than you at this. He goes, it's horrible. You'll never get better. He goes, I'm one of the best in the world, but I have a white belt mentality. I'm always getting better. And so I think that's really what you do, right? Don't view criticism as an attack. View it as something that can benefit you. And always maintain a white belt mentality. And if you do that, trust me, you are going to be unstoppable. All right? You're going to get so good. You're going to get so just... Think about this. All the people who, when they get criticized... They, they just ignore it, you're going to be go, huh, maybe there's some truth to that. And then you're consistently going to become a better person every single day. And just think about where you'll be in a year. Well, you'll be in five years if you continue that mindset. All right, so we ran it through here. I told you about my life a little bit and you know what changed the course of my life. I told you about how I would never want to meet any celebrities that I love because it would be, it could be a chance to, you know, one of the old sayings of you never want to meet your heroes. I mentioned how I met Wee Man, how awkward that was. Um, I talked about what would I do on January 1st, 2020, if I was brought back to then. I talked about how I'd make some money and then maybe try to warn the world about what's going on. Uh, I talked about if I, you know, what's history's most underrated invention. I mentioned the plow. I gave you my three wishes. And I gave a little bit of advice for those out there who cannot handle criticism. But I just want to take the time to thank anybody who's listening still at this point. I know it's a little rough. It's my first time doing this. So I'm sure that I'm going to get better as time goes on. And, you know, speaking of criticism, um, I'm going to have a website up soon. And I'm going to uh, have a comment box where people can actually uh, submit questions, but also submit criticisms. I, I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, do you think I talk too fast? Do you think I talk too loud? Do I talk too quiet into the mic? Am I breathing into the mic? Let me know these things because I'm constantly trying to improve in all facets of my life, particularly with this. I want to get good at this. And to do that, I need feedback from you, the listeners. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'll have another episode up tomorrow. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Thank you.